0: Take your Bibles of Philippians chapter 3. Think about the new year and everybody's like, I can't wait for the new year, the new calendar. I'm just going to run out and just <clears throat> serve God with all my heart and do my very best and, you know, give it all, my, all I've got. And, and, the, and the thing is, we should be doing that. The, the, the Bible even gives us the illustration of, in this passage, Philippians 3, uh, 14. He says, "...I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus." Paul was talking about, it's not just a matter of going through life, it's about giving it all you've got. I press toward the mark. He's like, I've, I've got my eyes fixed on what God has for me. I know it's great, I, I the, the prize, or the, the, the calling of God, or the finish line, or the, the mission that God has us on, and it's different for everybody, but I can tell you, whoever is here, that if you're saved, man, God's got a calling on your life. And it's not just to exist, or to make it through, or just to to just to keep your head above water, it's like I press toward the mark. I, I, I want to give it all I've got. this running illustration here simply means that you hold nothing back. It's the, 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 the even the running illustration. And I'm not a runner, but I've seen a lot of, you know, things that the illustrations of this. When they get to the finish line, they're literally like just putting themselves out there. Like they're going to break that, that finish line and, and, and have that hard finish and cross the line first. And they're, they're like lunging forward. And that's what Paul was saying. I press the by leaning into it. Like I want to hold nothing back. I wonder if we could say that we're doing that. That we're running that race. He says, reaching forth unto those things which are before. Man, I'm, I'm so focused on this. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Pressing, reaching, passionate, pursuing. I want to I I finish strong. I want to give it all I've got. But he says something in the middle of this that's very intriguing. And I know we, we've all heard the, the message about running the race and, and things like that. And the pursuit. And this is all part of it. But notice what Paul says in the middle of this. Brethren, I count not myself to apprehend, but this one thing I do. Listen to this. Forgetting those things which are behind. Now, I I know there's a lot of going forth and giving it all you got and finish strong. But in the middle of that, he interjects this thing that I've got. He said there's some things forgetting It's, it's a mental thing. There's some things mentally that I struggle with that I've got to get behind me if I'm going to go forward. If I'm going to move on, there's some things that I've got to deal with, forgetting those things which are behind. Now, let me illustrate it like this, because I think this is something we can all understand. Our past is a lot of times illustrated or talked about as baggage, if you've ever been in the airport and you're running to the next gate, you, you know, I, and you're running behind or whatever, if you've got a bag, it throws off your rhythm, okay? You're, you're trying to run, and this thing is, you know, it's, it, it's heavy. It throws your balance off. If you were able to set it down and just run to the gate, you would do a lot better. But there's some things that you have to hold on to because it's your stuff. So, so you do that. I, I've been on foreign mission trips before where we've done that and things like that. But if you're holding on to it, it just weighs you down. And Paul was talking about there's some things that I've got to forget if I'm going to move on. Now, let, let me tell you, when it comes to our baggage, we all have baggage of some sort. Maybe it's, it's something you did or a seizing you went through, uh, something that you failed at. It may, maybe it's bigger than that. Maybe for some people it's getting past or over a divorce from their past. I'm like, man, I hate that. When I look back, I just feel so bad and, and I messed up so big. And, and I hate that. I hate it. But it's in your past. Or maybe it's the season of being a parent that you drop the ball. And every time you think about being a mom or a dad, you think, if my, my, when my kids think about me as a dad, they remember me losing my temper all the time. They remember me not being home. They remember me coming home drunk or whatever it is. Maybe it's a past relationship that you had, that you, you started dating somebody or went through something like that, and you, you hate the thought of it. And somebody says, remember when you dated so-and-so, don't bring it up. I hate that. Some people lost their purity when they, you, you've done your best to live for God and live right. You lost your purity, and every time that comes to your mind, it just—you know what it is? It's guilt. And I can tell you that that baggage that you had can be labeled different things, and it is different things for a lot of people. It's an abortion that you had, or a sin, or issue that you had, or an addiction that you went through, whatever. But you hate it so bad. It's heavy. Now here's the thing, oh, let's be, we're in church now, so let's get all spiritual, right? It's under the blood of Jesus Christ, and so you should just move on and forget about it. Most Christians be like, I know that. I know that. I know it's in the past. I know it's not going to hurt me. I know that it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. We sing the songs, we repeat the verses, we, we have the little cliche sayings, you know, it's about my past and my future, and it's under the blood and all these things. But it's still, we live with regret and, and guilt, and, and it affects us. You, you ask yourself, when something goes wrong, here's what it is. Why would God bless me when he knows that I've done that? Or you're going through a season of praying over something. You're thinking, would God really answer my prayers when he knows that I've done this and he knows that I've dropped the ball? Would God would God answer my prayers knowing what I've done? And, you know, and all the facts and things. It was like, well, God forgave you. And God doesn't look. You're as far as the east is for the west. But there's one big problem with that. It's your mind. It's letting go of that in your mind that's really hard. Because even though it's in the past, I still know I did it. I still know it's there. It still affected people. It's, it's just, you just can't put it out of your mind. All these spiritual people say, well, you just need to forget about it let it go. Well, that's not that easy. Sometimes in the middle of the night when you're praying, it will just come to your mind. It will haunt you in in your mind. Sometimes it's at life group when when you say, uh, my kids came to me and told me I was the best dad ever and it was such a big blessing to me. And you're thinking, my kids would never say that because of what I did. Satan has a way, a creative way of bringing it to your mind to remind you of your failures and your faults and things that you did. And then you just plummet. You know, you shouldn't, but you do. Um, I was helping Pastor Bryce the other day. He was finishing up um, Wars, or no, 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 the All Night or Midnight Madness. And there was a couple of things that needed to go back to the garage. And I told him, I said, you guys go home. I said, I'll move this and this and this and get all these things put away. And so they stayed up all night. I came in the morning, and I I remember there was the... the, uh, It was the fire pits that they had. We had to let them like cool off and things like that. So I thought I could go get the truck and just haul it back there. I'm like, no, I'm only 46 years old. I can do this. So I I grabbed that thing and it's awkward and it's heavy. And I am like trying to get everything done really fast. And so I'm moving it to the the back of of the church. And I'm like awkward and everything. And I set it down and I'm like, (gasps) you know, trying to catch my breath. And I'm just, and it took me, if I could have just walked back to the garage, I could have done it in no time. But the thing was, is that extra weight, that that, that thing that I added to my life, that that I was carrying with me, weighted me down and wore me out. And I promise you, there was no running. There was no pressing toward the mark. And the thing about it is, if we're going to accomplish and be all that God wants and all that God has for you in the future, then there's some things that we're going to have to leave behind. And that's easier said than done. I want to teach through this passage. I, I don't want to just preach. I don't want to just like, hey, you know, this is, this is great. And everybody's like, oh, that's great. And some, a thought gets in your mind. I, I want this to soak into our minds of the principle that God says that this is how you move on. This is how you move on. Not, not just getting it out of your mind, but getting it in your past. So First of all, there's some requirements to move on. There's some requirements to move on. And I'm going to teach through this. But I know there's some of these things you're going to say, I know that, okay, but it it will apply at the end. There's requirements to move on. Now, first of all, I want to say I'm talking to those that know Jesus. Because to be honest, if you're trying to forget some of those things which are behind, you, you have to be forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ to even let that happen. And if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then you're still holding on to your past. And by the way, the wages of sin is death. And that death that it's talking about is the fact that one day you're going to stand before God condemned of your sin because you never dealt with the sin in your life. It doesn't matter if you're a good person. It doesn't even matter if you're in church today. Only Jesus can set you free from whatever that is in your past. Only Jesus Christ can forgive that sin to allow you to move forward. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that's where you start. But I also want to talk about those that are still dealing with something like right now. If you're dealing with a sin issue right now and you're saying it's time to move on, no, it's time to confront the sin. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1 9 that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you got to understand, if you got sin in your life, it's not about just moving on right now. It's a matter of getting on your knees saying, God, I'm sinning and I'm not doing right. And please forgive me of this and set me free. Deal with it first. So don't move on because I promise you, you can't just move on with something and pretend it didn't happen. You must plead the blood of Jesus Christ. You must put it under the blood. You must confess your sins before God. But let's talk about for those that are saved. You say, I know that, man, I know that. Man, I remember going to the altar. I prayed in my house. Man, I went through this season of time, and I asked God to set me free. And now I'm a parent, or I'm a teacher, I'm a leader. And that haunts me. Not all the time. But man, it makes me feel like I'm not good enough at times, or it makes me feel I'm not valued by God or valued by others because of that in my past. Let me me show you this. Let's go back a few verses. Let me me show you the backstory of him saying this. In verse 9. He says this, very simply, he says, I'm being found in him. Not having my own righteousness, which is the law, but that which through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul speaks of this transition. He says to being found in him. You guys understand, in order to be found somewhere, you've got to be lost first. He was talking about, I can tell you my past. Can I tell you guys right now that Paul had a past? You say, I have a past, and a lot of my past nobody even knows about. Can I just tell you Paul had a past before you start ranking sins and ranking past. Can I show you his past? Now you don't have to turn there. We'll put the verses on the screen so you can follow along. But Paul testifies of who he was. He's talking about being found in Christ. Before he was found in Christ, this was what it was. In Acts 26, 9. I verily thought with with myself that I ought to do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Well, let me just lay it out. He literally was on a mission to do things contrary to Jesus Christ. This isn't just he messed up. He was on a mission to destroy the work of God. This was a bad dude that did a lot of bad things. He spells it out in this next verse. He says in verse 10, Which things I did uh, also in Jerusalem. And many of the saints did I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I gave my voice against them. I, I, I mean, you guys hear what He's saying. I shut down churches, I arrested them, I voiced my opinion, and I had them put to death. For doing what? Standing for Jesus. When Stephen was was stoned to death, he did it at the, it was literally in the authority, in the presence of of Saul of Tarsus. He, He was the one that did that. He was brutal, he was mean, he was cruel, he was contrary to everything that God was for. Verse 11, and I punished them oft. In every synagogue, literally busting in his synagogues, okay? Kicking the door in the churches and, and places of worship and dragging out the believers and compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly mad against them. I persecuted them even under strange cities. He said, I didn't just do it here. He said, man, I'd pursue them. I'd hunt them down, drag them out, destroy what they were doing, rip them away from their kids, kill them and have them in prison. That's, what, that's who we're talking about. He said, man, I'm, I'm trying to get over my past. So I'll tell you, Paul had a lot to get over. The next few verses, he begins to talk about how then I was on the road to Damascus. And it's the life from heaven, and God got a hold of him, and he bowed him, and he submitted, and he said, you know, who are you? He said, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. And, and God called him out and was telling him about the transition that he was going to make in his life and all the things that God was doing. And he said this, and it was kind of a dual meaning because Jesus was saying what he was going to do in his life, but he was also talking about what he was going to call him to do in the life of others. And he said in verse 18, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they might receive forgiveness of sins. Paul was literally telling these people, he says, I'm here to tell you that's, that's not who I am anymore. If you met Jesus, he changed you as well. His identity was found in who he was for the longest time, saw the perse- persecutor of the church, but now he's saying, I'm found in Jesus. Here's some things in, in order, these, these things that you have to know to move on. Uh, it, it says in verse 9 to be found in him, you need to know that you have a new identity, you need to know that you have a brand new identity. It's, it's you are now in Christ. It's, we allow our past to dictate our identity. This is, this is how it is. Because if, if this is in the past, okay? It's not a suitcase at this time or a duffel bag or whatever. This is whatever your thing is from the past. That thing that haunts you. That thing that is guilty. If, if Christ has truly set you free and I'm no longer found in that sin that I'm found in Christ, then that can't be my identity. Does that make sense? Because a lot of people go on and say, well, I failed as a parent. No, you, you, in the past, you failed as a parent. I, I was, I, I'm a recovering alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. A drug addict. I'm, I'm this, I'm that, whatever. You've got to understand that the, what Jesus Christ did for us is he changed Paul, even changed his name to say, you were Saul, the persecutor, but now you are a child of God. You are no longer the same. It's not just a change of position, it's a change of identity, is what he was saying there. Here, here's it even says in 2 Corinthians 5 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, saved, no longer lost, in the blood of Jesus Christ, he is a fixed up creature. Did I read that wrong? What does it say? He is a what creature? New creature. A new creation. He goes as far to say the old things, the duffel bag is what it's saying there, has passed away. Behold, all things are become new. The blood of Jesus Christ has changed you. But see, we struggle with this because we love to label people according to their sins. We love to label people, even though we're saying you're brand new in Christ, we'll still label. Okay, when we talk about Thomas in the Bible, how do we reference him? it's like, you you know, Thomas, you doubting Thomas. Thomas would be like, dude, he forgave me in that. Why do you, why does the whole church age have to refer to me as Doubting Thomas? How about the adulterous woman? You know what I'm saying? We we still even reference her, It's like, go and sin no more. It's like, tell me about that girl. Oh, you mean the adulterous woman? Yeah, we still label them according to their sin. It's, it's, it's amazing how many people we do that with. It's like even Rahab the harlot, How would you like that name for the rest of your life? Rahab, oh, I don't remember which Rahab, the harlot, oh yes, I know that girl. We label people according to their past. Paul was saying, I I have a new identity. So when you start talking about my past sin, that's not my identity, that's my testimony. Stop making it your identity. Stop. Connecting yourself, if, if whom the Son sets free, you are free indeed. If I am set free from them, then that's no longer my identity. Now, notice what he says next. Verse 9 again, and being found in him. That's my new identity. Having mine own, not having my own righteousness. He said, I know I messed up. Do you know why he had to say, not in my own righteousness? Because when we mess up, we try to fix up our old, old past. It's human nature to do that. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to be known as my... I'm going to prove to my family this, whatever. We try to cover it up. Just like Adam and Eve, when they send, what do they do? They try to cover it up. Some of you are exhausted today by trying to fix up your past. Trying to reinvent yourself. Trying to prove to everybody that you're no longer the same. That's not how it works. If you are saved, then there's a new way to look at it. Listen, as he says, which is of the law... There's a record to prove that I messed up. But that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So know that you have a new identity, but you need to know that you are forgiven. Now, we always sing and talk about forgiveness. Actually, probably half the songs we sing in church are about forgiveness. I, my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior's, you know, died for me, all these other things. It's, but this is how we sing in church those songs. I'm I'm serious. From, from from the from the pew sitting there saying, I've, um, you know my, my past is gone. I'm under the blood of Jesus Christ, and then we walk out with it. It's like something's not connecting. It. Why do we keep singing and talking that way if we're literally talking about how Christ has set us free, and we're talking about holding on to those things? Uh, that that creates heaviness. You're not running when you do that. You've been forgiven. Uh, not having my own righteousness. It's not the thing that you did. But that's which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of of God by faith. This blows our mind. You know why this is so hard to understand? Because when we forgive somebody, we forgive like this. Hey, listen, I'm going to forgive and forget, and then we hold on to it. Uh, Don't look at me that way, because we all do that. Then you get into that fight or that argument and say, remember when you did this? So a lot of times when we're talking about we've been forgiven, we're almost waiting for God to bring it back out. But that's not what God does. The the Bible talks about how he has completely changed our record. In Romans 4, when it talks about what God has done for us, it says, therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. It It was accredited to us of the righteousness of God was accredited to our account. So if any of you ever did anything where they had to pull your credit report. Raise your hand, testify right now. You've done something where they had to pull your credit. And you're thinking, if you, if you have a history with that, you're thinking, oh, great. You know, it's like, I want to buy this car. I want to apply for this apartment. I want to, you know, whatever you're doing. And they said, well, we just need your social because we're going to just run your credit. And we just need to make sure you're like, oh, no, I'm not getting that car. Or if they're going to pull your credit, you know, they're going to see my history, and they're going to know that I went through that time of being out of my job, and I was late, 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 and all those things. And you're dreading for them to come back and sit down and say, oh, it wasn't what we were hoping for. I think you, you know, they're all polite about it. I think there's some little nicks on your record. You know, they got to be all nice and political about it. You're thinking, oh, my goodness. My, my record is ruining what I want to do for in my, in my future. I can't even do this because my record shows all my flaws. Well, I've bought and helped all my kids buy cars. And, and going in there and sitting down with them and stuff. And, you know, when you're starting out, you don't have a history. You don't have credit. You don't have any of those things. And so when they sit down and say, hey, we, well, whose car is it? Who name or whatever? It's like, okay, in their name. Well, we need to pull their record. And I interject and say, hey. I want you to pull my account because he's going to be under me. Do you understand what Jesus did for us? You all have a record. We all have a record. And it goes back and it shows the times that you messed up. It shows the time that you were not a good mom. You were not a good dad. It shows the errors of your way when when you messed up. Even the sins that people know about or the sins that nobody knows about. But you understand when we stand before God, it is a matter of Jesus saying, "It is Father, don't look at their record. They're in me. It's my record. And by the way, his record is flawless. That is why we walk through life not sitting there holding on to this because I've been set free from that. I'm now in Christ, which literally means his record is my record. It, 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 I know we know these things. I'll get to this. We, we still battle with these things. So you are in Christ. You are forgiven. Your identity is in Christ. But also know this. Know that your past is dead. It's almost a picture of this. Because really I'm saying the same thing in just different ways. But this is the way Paul is illustrating it. He says that I may know him, verse 10, and the power of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. That I may know him is not to say that I might be introduced to him, but I want to be associated with him. I I want to connect myself. So let me put it like this. One of my favorite verses, and I quote all the time when I'm preaching, it is my life verse, is Colossians 2.20. He says it like this. I am crucified with Christ. Literally saying that when Jesus Christ died on the cross, let, let me put it like this. Surely he hath borne our sorrows our transgressions, our past, our mistakes. Okay, let's just get more specific. Surely he hath carried your divorce, your past abortion, the time that you threw out your virginity, the time that you, you, you went out partying and you did things that are on your record. Now, all, all those things, whatever it is that's in your mind, surely he hath borne that in the whole picture of the crucifixion of Christ is the fact that there was a punishment for those things, but He took it. There's another way to word it, or another way to visualize it like this. He took your past, your baggage, carried it to the cross, and it was murdered on that day. That's what the crucifixion is about. They took Jesus, who was bearing our sins, laid Him down, Took nails, nailed to that point of sacrifice, and he took your place. You've got to visualize this. The cross is a visual because it's like, I don't get it, I don't get it. Get it. And he says, let me, let me show you what I mean. Let me show you your past. Let me show you that thing that keeps you up at night or the thing that haunts you or the thing that you're afraid people are going to find out about. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth within me. I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. In this life which I now live. Do you know why he had to say that? Because it's over here and I'm over here. There's a separation. It's a new life in Christ. The life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So let me put it like this. And I said this last Easter. I preached this like crazy. His story is my story. His record is my record. And the reason why he was able to say that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, because when he died on the cross, get the uh, the power of the resurrection, he died with my sin, my past, my failures, whatever I messed up. And they laid him in the tomb. It was buried. It died. He came out, the old stayed in. He came out new, but the old man stayed in there. Literally meaning and symbolizing to us the power of his resurrection is the fact that your past is dead, buried. You know, you know something about this, and this is the honest truth. You start digging up your past and making that your identity, or you don't view yourself as forgiven or alive in Christ or whatever it is, you carry around something in your life that stinks. Dead things stink. He's like, my life sinks. Right? You, you, you've not understanding and embraced what Christ has done for you as he has set you free. He buried it. Buried it in the likeness of his death. Raised to walk in newness of life. He said, those words sound familiar. It's what we do in baptism. Do you know it's so cool that Jesus was like, I know they're going to struggle with this. I know they're going to struggle with it. You know what? I'll just make them act it out. So we have baptism in the church. You know what baptism is in the church? It's a visual, not of Jesus washing away your sins. And I have people say that all the time. Explain baptism to me. Well, you get in the water and it's kind of like a bathtub and it washes away your sins. It's nothing like a bathtub and it doesn't wash away your sins. Can I, can I reinvent the mental picture of this? It's a tomb. Buried in the likeness of his death. Raised to walk in newness of life. That is the visual that God has called us to to understand that we have the power of his resurrection. He died, our past died, and when our past died, we say it like this, rest in peace, it's gone. It's laid to rest. Old went in, new came out. That's why he's giving us this illustration. The Bible says in Psalms 103 verse 12, as a result of what Christ did with the power of his resurrection... He said, now our sin is as far as the east is from the west. So hath he removed, get that in your mind, hath he removed our transgressions from us. So think about, because of what he did, no longer is this my identity. No longer am I supposed to be holding on to. this. No longer should I be running the race that is set before me. No longer should I be weighing this down. No longer should I have the guilt associated with this. So has he removed it from me so that I could move on. I, I, brethren, I count not myself to apprehend it, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth unto those things which are before. So here's the requirements to move on, okay? You've got to know that you have a new identity. That's not your identity. You have to know that you're forgiven. You have to know that your past is not just behind you. It is dead, buried, gone. But here comes in the next part. It's it's time to move on. You say, I know this. It's not so much the facts that we struggle with. It's the mental war. Can we just be transparent and real with this? It's not the facts that I struggle with. Because if I was to come to any one of you and say, did you know Jesus died for your sin? Amen. Glory to God. Praise God. Do you know it's in the past? Amen. I know that. You know that you've been forgiven? Praise God, I know that. I I, I have the t-shirt, I sing the songs, I repeat it, I I, I post the memes, I know all that. So then why do we struggle so much? We struggle so much because of our brains. We remember. I remember what I did. As much as I know that it can't hurt me, as much as I know I won't stand before God because of this, it's because I struggle mentally. And it's amazing how you can be having the greatest time and be, you're going to bed or waking up or doing something and that, well, popping your brain. And then you remember. Did you notice the wording that Paul used in this? He said, brethren, I count not myself to apprehend it, but this one thing I do. And he used the word that we understand, forgetting. Forgetting those things which are behind. There's a lot to learn as for the application. Number one, it's time to look forward. Now, let me explain this. The the idea is is forgetting those things which are behind. It's very practical. The word forgetting literally means just to take it out of your mind. It's not that you eliminate it from your past. Wouldn't that be great if you could just eliminate it from your past? But the word forgetting that he was using it to lose it out of your mind. Now, let's be honest. with, With everyday life, we're very good at this. Okay, We're very good at this. Have you guys ever gotten up to go get a drink out of the kitchen or go grab a snack or whatever? And you get out of the, uh, off the chair or whatever. You go in the kitchen and your wife's cooking. You start a conversation and you start smelling what she's cooking. That smells really good. You start a conversation. Then you're standing there and your wife turns around and says, what are you doing? And then you have to, you have to honestly give her the answer and say, I, I can't remember. Has anybody done that? You walk in the pantry to grab something. You walk out the garage to get something, whatever. You run out to your car and you're just, you get distracted because something else took your focus and all of a sudden your mind is focused on that rather than what you were doing before. That is the very illustration that Paul is using in this passage. He's saying, I know that you're going to struggle with this. He knows us. I think some people are like, think that other Christians are just hyper spiritual. It's like, I don't, forg- I don't remember anything. I just put it all behind me and I don't struggle with this. You're lying. You're human flesh. We, f- we remember these things that are in our minds. You, it, it's, it, the, Paul was literally saying he didn't even say forget those things which are behind. Did you notice that he says forgetting? It's a daily, constant reminder that you have to put it out of your mind but the thing that you have to do to do that is focus on something else. It's not the drink that you were going to go get. You begin to focus on something else when you walk in the kitchen. Your mind goes to what you're thinking about next. You put your attention on something else, and your mind gets occupied with that. So this is what Paul was saying, the one thing that he does. The one thing that he does, he wasn't necessarily saying about just forgetting. The one thing that he did, he was talking about pressing forward. Let me make application of this. It's about changing your focus, which God has called him to. It, it's listening to the one that has called you. We listen to the voices in our head. Pastor Chris, would you mind coming up here for a minute? I, I'm going to use this as Chris. So let, let's take it that he sat down what he had, but in our, in our minds, we still sit there and we're like, oh man, our sinner did that. Just like if you ever done anything in your house that you regret, I, I was cleaning out a paintbrush. We're, we're pretty on the... I think I did this in our house. I was cleaning out a paintbrush and I had stuff on it and I did it in the kitchen sink. I should have never done that. Okay? Don't do that. Uh, but it was cold outside and I didn't want to get cold, so I did it in the kitchen sink. And I was cleaning it out and somehow I, I flicked the bristles and I sprayed something all over our dining room table. And, I, and it, it ate through all the top... all the... or whatever it's called, the clear coat on, on the table. So now every time I sit down, I'm like, ugh... Man, why did I do that? You know what I'm talking about? It's just like your mind goes to that. And the thing that we, we do often time with our sins is just like, oh, why did I do that? Why did, why did I date that person? Why did I make that decision? Why did I take that job? Why did I move away? Why did I, whatever it is, but here's what he did. Jesus teaches, he says, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. So what he was talking about, pressing towards those things are before, is the fact that God says, "Hey, buddy, that's not your future. It's over here." And the only way that you're going to embrace everything that God has for you is you've got to change direction and leave that. Where what did Paul say? Forgetting those things which are behind, pressing towards those things which are before. Can I tell you? You might have had the worst past. That anybody could say, and even Paul said about himself, I'm the chiefest of sinners. I persecuted churches. I I ripped people away from their families. I had people murdered in front of their kids. I am the chiefest of sinners. But remember, your past does not dictate your identity. Your past does not dictate your value in Christ. You've been set free. It is dead. It's not your identity. It's time to move forward. And what Christ does is he begins to, in front of us, say, Pressing towards those things which are before. Christ has so much more for you. He's not done with you. He's not finished with you. You are not damaged goods. You're not measured by your past. He doesn't write you off. He doesn't do any of those things. But you know that my sheep hear my voice. This is why every every Sunday we should be here. You know why? Because we're hearing the preaching of the Word of God to do this. Stop looking past. In the past, look this way. Listen to the songs. I I am who you say I am. I I am forgiven. I am set free. That's who I am. Constantly, in order to forget, you've got to put your mind on something else. I hate that it's that way, but that's just who we are as human beings. You have to put your attention. And Christ is, he's saying, I, I, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Christ is constantly saying, I've got more for you. You know what this whole illustration is? He is the God of second chances. He doesn't leave you there. He has more for you. But there's only one way that you can run and press. You have to forget those things which are behind. Of you can be seated. He said, forgetting those things which are behind It might be part of your history. But just remember, it's behind you now. There's been a major change here. Now, let me finish with this. He said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Christ and Jesus Christ. It's not only time to refocus and look forward, but listen to this. It's more than that because that's not enough. It's not just a matter of acknowledging what is done. It's not just a matter of pressing forward, but it goes deeper than this. Paul said these words, I press toward the mark. It's time to pursue what God has for you. I'm talking about pursue. When Paul was talking about when I finally let go of it, when I stopped looking back, when I put my mind on the prize, I pressed toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. I'm going to give it all of God. I, you're going to struggle, yes, but you have to be reminded constantly that that's not you. When you stop looking back, they can, you, then you can truly, fully look forward. You press toward the mark. Paul would testify this now i want this to get in your mind and here's the thing that god does the closer you get to christ the more that god changes you the thing is that's not who you are anymore do you guys hear me this that's not who you are anymore because you are now in christ and the more that christ changes you the more the people around you are going to see the change of god in your life so here's the thing you say well what do i do with that that's the beauty of this okay here paul is standing up in front of this crowd He's literally in Psalm two, or Acts 26, he's, he's telling a story, not talking about his identity. I'm not talking about, I am a failure, I'm this, I'm that. He was talking about who he was. You know, God will then begin to use your past as a testimony of what he can do to change people's lives. So what did I do with it? I was, but it's amazing when, they, when your kids begin to see a new dad. They begin to see a new leader when your wife has a new husband and God begins to transform you and all of a sudden Paul will be like yes, go ahead and mention my past but let me tell you that's not who I am anymore. It's now a testimony of what God can do in other people's lives. See, you do have a past. All of us have a past. But it's amazing what Christ wants to do with your past of a testimony of how he can change anybody. Can I read that verse again? And I left something out. I did it on purpose. Okay, it says in this. I didn't leave it out. I just didn't emphasize it. Let's talk about don't let your past define you. Let it be an example of what Christ wants to do for you. He says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold. Did did you ever wonder why it says that? The, The word behold means to take notice or to see. And he he stops in there. He doesn't just say, he could have easily said, oh, things are passed away, all things are become new. But he stops and he interjects the word, behold. It's like God wants to say, can I use you as a testimony to show how I can set people free, how I can transform lives, how I can give a new identity for people to look at you and say, behold, I I see somebody new and I see something. behold. My past is dead. Behold, there's a new dad and a new mom and a new creation of what God did. A a, a brand new person that God brings us out. God has so much more for you. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God. Paul said that. Can I emphasize the point of that verse? He says, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God high calling. You're not second rate. God's not done with you. You've been forgiven. you got a new identity. He's got a new plan for your life. But it's time to move on. Forgetting those things which are behind.